Here we go. Perfect shot. Holy crap. This is the Killer Outdoors podcast. So today we got Brady, myself, and, and a friend of ours. Introduce yourself. My name's Caden Barr. Um, just been longtime buddies with Brady and... And just killed a big moose. Killed a big moose a few years ago. Caden's been more than a buddy. He's like a brother. Uh, Caden's family kind of adopted Jenna and I probably a decade ago. We lived in the same neighborhood, and uh, they kind of became our family here in northern Utah since we didn't have anybody close. And so, um, yeah, Caden's a lot more than a buddy. He's been a brother, and we wanted to get him on the show today because he's uh, been able to do something that most people only get to dream of and uh, had an unbelievable experience up here on the cash unit a few years ago hunting moose. And so we thought it'd be fun to get him out here to share his story and what happened and some of the things that took place. So anyways, so Caden, it was, uh, what, 2020? You know, Caden is one of the luckier guys that I know. Uh, he, he goes through the typical process in drawing tags. He puts in for decades. Uh, he amasses 25 or 30 points, and then he finally draws the tag with max points. That's kind of how this one worked too, isn't it, Caden? Yeah, that sounds about right. No, well, that's, how, that's, many, that's, how many points did you have? That's not this how this tag. story worked. <laughs> no. Caden doesn't do things that way ever. Caden <laughs> yeah. draws amazing tags all the time. So what happened with your moose? Actually, it started with a deer tag, if I remember. Before um, The same year you drew the moose tag, or was it the year f- prior? The 78 tag? Yeah, the 78 tag. Yeah, same year. So you drew a 78 tag, and how did that work? That wasn't one you should have drawn either. No, it was very low odds. I put in for 78, saw that I had drawn but I didn't realize that it was a different system than how Utah is, and they don't just charge your card and send you your tag. And the day after you were supposed to have paid for your tag, I had learned that I didn't pay for the tag and lost my 78 tag. <laughs> I remember I remember Caden calling me and being like, dude, I just drew such a great tag in Idaho for deer. He was all excited about it. And then it wasn't that long after he called me all mad, like, I lost my tag. I'm like, what do you mean you lost your tag? He's like, it's going into the second draw. I didn't pay for it on time. And so we were giving him all sorts of crap. He finally drew this super awesome deer tag and then didn't even go pick the stupid thing up. <laughs> <laughs> like, you idiot. But uh, it, was, it was kind of funny. I remember those calls. Uh, he went from elated to completely depressed. And then uh, it wasn't, what, a month later or something, Utah's draw results came out. And tell us what happened there. Yeah, I had heard from, I don't know if it was a buddy or, or my brother Todd or or what but cards were getting hit that day and so I'm like oh I'll just log in get on my credit card and I saw a charge for 400 and whatever dollars it was and I was like what would that be I had just I had just drawn my limited entry elk tag the year before or two years before and so I wasn't really expecting anything and then I realized like only thing it could be is my once-in-a-lifetime moose tag. So, so did you make a deal with the devil? Like, why Why are you pulling all these tags? That's what I've wondered. I, I keep thinking that maybe I'm going to get some, like, life-altering sickness or something that's going to take me out and God's letting me hunt, get all my big hunts out of the way young. <laughs> yeah, Caden called. He's like, dude, I've got a $400 charge on my card. He's like, I put in for moose. And we're all like, there's no way. Because like he said, he drew his elk tag a couple years prior and drew that 78 deer tag. And then all of a sudden, he's, you know, he's... He's put in for moose on the cash, which 
in the state of Utah is probably one of the better controlled units for Shirus moose. Um, you know, right now it's a max point area. So it takes, what is it, 27 points or 28 points at this point? Yeah, I think now at the time, I think 25 or 26 would have done it. But It's crazy. And, and so he calls us. He's like, that's the only thing it could be. And how many points did you have at that time? I had nine. <laughs> he had nine <laughs> points, which... In other words, it means he shouldn't have had a shot in the dark anywhere to, to draw that tag, but he did. He did. Honestly, Caden's a great example to me of, like, you may as well put in because someone's got to draw. Someone's got to win. Someone's got to win, and it. he's done it. Yeah, and I, I honestly don't really look into the odds and, and all that. My my brother, Todd, he's he's more into that, and he was kind of – I remember talking to him before, and he's like, maybe we should put you in for, like, a CWMU or – something that you have better odds and I just was like you know if I'm going to draw and if I'm going to get lucky I want to get lucky close to home and in the best sure, unit in the state sure enough <laughs> well I don't know we so, found so draw home. results come out in Utah when it's again? not till like May isn't it May it's it's late spring I mean it's, it's right so then you're, you're talking so end of May late no spring, actually Utah's a little earlier than that Utah might be April or something but and yeah this tag's opening up when when did your hunt open it was Shoot, I don't know. early was September. Yeah. Early September, so it past early, August. Yeah, it was early September. But, but, but we're only talking, okay, so now you've got what? A few months. months. Yeah, mean, you had a few months. Yeah. So you would probably have a lot of planning coming your way at this point. I'm oh, trying yeah. to figure out, okay, i got to get up in the mountains. i got to figure out what we're going to do with this. Yeah. So, so you draw the tag. What was the next thing you did? I mean, did you – what were your? What was your thought process? Well, I what think did you after think? a phone call to Todd and to you and a couple other buddies, um, it was just – trying to figure out after my previous elk hunt experience where we battled for I don't know 12 days straight of just hard hard hunting and and we ended up killing a a decent bull on the last day but I kind of promised myself if I ever draw a good tag again I'm going to make sure I have help Sure. You know, because you got buddies who, you know, say they can be there and, and then they realize they have wives and kids and it's, you know, it's hard to get people there the whole time. And so I just thought, you know what, I'm, I'm probably going to go guide it on my next good, good tag. Well, and, and, and like, like you say, I mean, that elk tag you had the year prior, you guys hunted hard. I mean, you spent a ton of time out there. I went out there a couple of days and helped you. And it was, it was one of those hunts where, you know, the elk were there, they weren't. And you just yeah. happened to have the tag in a year that it was a little bit more difficult, but you put a ton of time and effort into it. And, you know, we have, I have lots of people that talk to us about uh, the pros and cons, and everyone seems to have a, a super opinion, strong opinion on guided or unguided, you yeah. know, oh, yeah. do it yourself. I'm a do it yourself guy. And I have nothing against do-it-yourself guys. I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for guys who have the ability, first off, from a family situation or a job situation to go put, you know, 30, 40, 50 days into some of these tags. But for a lot of us, that's not the reality. You just can't do it. Yeah. You yeah. know, and so <clears throat> you had taught, you know, we talked about that, you know, guided, unguided. And, and, and I, like you say, I think it was kind of a no-brainer. Like you have a once-in-a-lifetime tag. There are guys who get to hunt these units every year, uh, year in and year out because they guide the people who draw the tags. And so they know what bulls are around. They know what's up there. They have a pretty good idea of where they like to spend time. So you chose to go guided. So you called, you hired a guide. Yep. Okay. And then from there, what was the conversation? What was their plan for you? Um, well, it was kind of a unique situation because the person I hired was, you know, a, a friend and somebody that we've been around and he actually lives pretty close to me and um it was Colton Peterson with Mossback 
and he's a killer. Like there's yeah. not a there's not many guys out there that are better hunters than Colton. Yeah. And I think the day I really decided it was going to happen, you and I had been up the canyon fishing. Yeah. And when we got out, we're like, let's just make the phone call, and we got Colton <laughs> on the phone, and and I don't know how it normally is with guided hunters, but. I was, I felt like I was really involved the whole time. He, you know, sent me some pictures and trail cam pics from the year, you know, the previous years and things like that. And, and, you know, we know the unit, we, we deer hunt it, we elk hunt it, and we just kind of started going. So did he, so throughout the summer, the pictures he's sending you, did he send you like current trail cam pics of bulls that were showing up or was he sending you just pictures from prior years? Um, in the beginning, it was all just prior year stuff, and as it got closer, we we started, you know, getting that year's pictures. But man, moose are hard. I realized as I was seeing some of these pictures, some of the moose, I was just like, oh, I don't, I don't know. That's I don't know if that that's my once in a lifetime moose. And you re- you realize quickly you don't know very much about moose when you've never hunted one. Yeah, you see them around you. You know, you bump into them occasionally and you're like, oh, that's a big moose. But truly, you don't know. And they finish, you know, really quickly at the end where they, you know, sprout some points off their backs of their palms. And and everything I was seeing, I was just like, man, I'm not sure. But luckily, Colton was like, just trust me. Like this, one of these two bulls, like it will finish. Just trust me. I remember, I remember you sending those pictures, and I, I kind of felt the same way as you. You know, it's like you say, when you've never hunted a Shiras moose, it's hard to put things in perspective size-wise because you're used to looking at trail cam pics of deer or elk, and these bulls on trail camera, you know, they just didn't look that impressive. Yep. And I, I think to your point as well, the other thing that caused some of that maybe lack of excitement was they really do in that last two or three weeks grow a bunch. So all summer long, you know, as they're growing those those horns for the year, I mean, they they put on some width and things, but all the point length and things only happens in that last, you know, 10, 15, 20 days of growth. And so all of a sudden you get a new picture that's updated and it's like, well, what bull is that? Yep. Oh, it's the same bull I sent you a picture of three weeks ago. And it's kind of hard to believe that, but I, it was fun that summer. You know, Caden would send pictures of what he was getting from Colton. No one runs cameras on the, on the cache better than Colton does. He knows that area better than anybody. And he knew that one of those bulls was going to blow up. And so we got, the hunt got closer. We got more and more excited. So, you know, you're a week or 10 days out from your hunt. Are you nervous? Are you excited? What are you feeling at that point? Um, a little of both. I, I definitely felt different, though, than before my elk hunt. I was nervous on the elk hunt where going into that moose hunt, having, you know, knowing that I was going to have help by my side the whole time. And I just... I was pretty confident that something would come together in in the days that I was with them. So opening day comes, opening day comes. Okay. Now remind me, did you guys, so you had a couple kind of target bowls, but had you narrowed it down to one specific bowl by opening day? Yes. Yeah. Probably 10 days before the hunt. You knew which is exactly which bowl you were going after. Yeah. And, and remind me, so how did opening day go kind of morning sun comes up? What happens? So, I guess to back up just a little, probably a week before the hunt, we hadn't seen the bull for several days. Hadn't hit any cameras or anything, Um, but I believe it was the night before or maybe two days before the hunt, Todd had found the bull. And that was just a huge relief to just like, okay, 
He's, he's still in... He's not on Mars. Yeah. He's still like, on the planet. So so these moose, though, are, are, of course, like we hunt deer, elk, a lot like that. Are, are you pattering these bulls? Because it's like, just like you, you've never hunted moose before this. Because it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Most people don't hunt mute moose each year. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, you're trying to pattern them, but they're their circumference is so much bigger than any other animal. They can just cover so much more ground. Um, probably for 12 days before the hunt, I sat on one ridge every evening looking for this bull. Just, and I never did see him. Well, and I think that's the hard thing about moose too, is they have a big, uh, they travel a long ways. They travel a lot, but the other thing is they stay in the, the thick. I mean, they don't, you know, a mule deer typically early season, they're going to come out early morning and right before dark, they're going to feed in the sagebrush or something. But a lot of times these moose will stay in those thick pines and in the thick quakies. They have no reason to come out. They're big enough and strong enough that they can move through things and they can stay where it's, you know, they're covered and they're protected. Um, and it's really not until the rut, which was way late, would have been way late in your hunt, that they really start to pick up and cover ground. And so, you know, those moose can sit right underneath your nose uh, for days and days at a time, and you'll think they're not there. They just aren't moving much. They just real, real mellow and kind of hang out in certain specific spots. And so you had turned this bull up, though. You said Todd. Todd, Todd found it yeah. the day before, yep. days before. Yeah, a day or two before. I honestly had never seen the bull on the hoof myself even though I'd been looking for him. I put a ton of time in mornings and evenings and which is probably making you a little disheartened. Oh or, yeah. Or a little bit of motivations lacking at this point. Cause you're out there for days and not seeing you put a lot like you, this is one thing that's important to, I think, point out you hired a guide, but you spent a ton of time. Like you weren't just you. I mean, again, to each his own, some guys hire guides and they show up opening day and say, okay, take me to my animal, you know, but that's not how you did this. You hired a guide and you put a lot of time in. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> Like I said before, we hunt that area. We know the area. And I don't know what standard protocol is, you know, for a guide, how much information they should give. But just having a little bit different relationship and situation, you know, we were put into positions and told, you know, here's a good glassing spot for, you know, where he's been previously and and things like that. So, I mean, we definitely put our time in as a team and spread out and, and tried to make it happen before opening day so a couple days before todd finds him so who's there opening morning so todd was there um shoot i don't know we had a couple buddies there uh i think my buddy zach were you there i was there yeah you were no i no i came in like day because you kill what day day three i didn't show up till day three because i was in the yukon still coming home yeah so so opening morning we get to the ridge the canyon that we had been seeing him in um, it's a big canyon, probably, I don't know, a mile across from ridge to ridge. And we pull up, hike out to our spot, and then, you know, we see headlights coming down the same road. And I'm like, oh, great. Somebody else knows about this. Because are there more tags? How many tags are in this unit in a year? I don't know how many there were then. I think now there's like twelve. So there's, there's still I mean, a there's there's num- a handful there's still a of good tags. Number. Yeah, it's not it's not a single tag unit by any means. Yeah, so you know, and and they basically walked right out to where we were, and you know, kind of decided to just like, hey, go go see what they're hunting because there's an elk hunt going on at the same time. We're like, let's pray these guys are looking for elk. You know, knowing that it was the night before. Now that I'm saying that, 
Todd had seen that bull and like, oh no, let's we got to make sure these guys aren't hunting hunting moose. And we go over there, and sure enough, oh yeah, we got a grandpa or uncle or whoever. We're just looking for moose. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> the Welcome dagger. to public land. Right. Yeah. I've never prayed so hard to not see an animal <laughs> in my life. Just stay in the brush for one more day. This, you, you're coming across these guys morning of opening day. It's opening, opening day. They're opening there. Opening day. Yeah. Yep. So they're there. They talk. They glass. The moose doesn't come out that morning. Thankfully, the moose. He's not show. there. He's on Mars that day. Yep. So. Yep. Not there. So you don't see him opening morning. Uh, did you see him opening evening? No. No. We. Uh, we went around to the other side of, you know, where he was the night before, hoping he would pop out with, you know, keeping Todd on the other side and didn't see him there. Went on a pretty, pretty good march that evening and, and didn't turn him up. Wasn't there. Day two was fairly similar, right? Um, yeah, day two in the morning, didn't see him, um, but we, we went and, and just, I don't know how far we hiked, but we hiked a, a good ways. And right as we got kind of off of this steep, steep hill, Todd radios and says, I got the bull. That had found him. Yeah. That night of, of day two. Night of the, day two. The morning. Oh, morning, morning of day two. Morning of day two. So Colton and I immediately turn around, just, you know, hiking back through what we had just hiked down. And... um Colton was pretty confident, like, if we know what trees he went into, we're going to go in and kill him. And so we we hiked back in, hiked down off the ridge, um, clear down into the bottom, kind of straight across from the group of trees that they had seen him go into, hoping that we could just either wait him out and, you know, shoot him from across the canyon because we were so, so low at that point that it, it would be a doable shot. But we we didn't see him. So. so for people listening who haven't been in this once in a lifetime type situation, what do you feel after it? So you've hunted two days, like all summer, you're like, okay, you're excited. You're building it up. Opening day comes. You don't kill the bull opening day. Second day rolls around. You're more, you know, the sun comes up. You haven't seen him right at this early light. Like, what are you feeling at that time? Yeah. Your, your anxiety starts to set in for sure. And you know, like I just, I just kept thinking like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But you know, okay. I, I put all this time effort, got a guide money it might not I mean, happen. It's, isn't it crazy how your mind does that? Like you, you feel like after the first day or two without having success that you've been going for 10 or 15 days. I don't know why it feels like that, but I think in our minds, we kind of initially build up, okay, well it's going to happen opening morning or it's going to yeah. happen our first day of the hunt. Yeah. And on day two, we actually, before the sun went down, we decided let's just go in after him. So we hiked down through the bottom up the other side and it was just thick and it was a brutal hike up out of that. Like it, it took us way longer than we thought and just thought we'd sneak through those trees and see embedded and shoot him and and he and, and it didn't you didn't and it just him. turned into a death hike. Which is it's the funniest thing to me. I guess in my mind, you're talking these are giant moose. How does it just disappear? Like it went into a tree, like a group of trees, right? I yeah, mean, into some aspens, it. and yeah, they just. How does that thing put the sneak on you guys? Like that's just what blows my mind. God's yeah. God's creations are cool, man. <laughs> like they they're they're designed and they're built to live. They're built to survive, and it's it doesn't matter how big the animal is. You know, I 
I've been on the Alaska Yukon hunts and those big Alaskan bulls that are twice the size of a Shiras body wise, same thing. They can get into a group of willows and they can move through those willows and you will not hear a sound. I mean, they can have their antlers be 80 inches wide, 70 inches wide, 65 inches wide, and they can move through there better than you and I could and not make any noise. You know, elk do the same thing. You can be calling an elk and have an elk coming through the, the quakies and all of a sudden they're 10 yards in front of you and you never heard them come. And so it's just cool. That's one of the things that I think is so awesome about getting out on these adventures and hunting these animals is you get to see how adapt they are to live and to survive and the, the skills and the abilities that they have to, to do what they do. It's pretty amazing. I mean, just because, like, from initially, like, if I had not heard the story at all and I heard that someone had a moose tag, you found your guide, you you found the bull that you want to target, you would think it'd be like shooting a fish out of a barrel. Like, in my mind, that's just, I would feel, okay, you're just going to show up opening morning and and harvest the animal that you're targeting. But, yeah. of course, so after day two, so you, you, they, you had someone see it. You never saw it, though, day two, right? No. Nope. So then so you're, you're wondering if Todd's losing his that's mind. That's 100%. Like, so you're like, <laughs> Todd's just lying to me to keep me positive. <laughs> so like you're going to bed that night, and how are you feeling going into day three now? Day three, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm on the downhill side of, you know, this guided hunt at least. Because it was at five days, or how many days did you pay? Five days. Five yeah. days. So yep. you're, you're halfway through it. Yep. Yep. And so you're, you're realizing like, okay, this is serious. If I don't do it today, then I'm, you know. Two days. Two <laughs> yeah, days I left. didn't. I didn't want to get to that point. It's it's pressure for sure. Yeah. I, I I was fortunate to show up on day three. Um, I had been out of town and was able to get back, and so I was excited to be there day three. And I could feel the pressure. You know, once in a lifetime tag, lots of time and money. You know, you could tell that these guys wanted this bull bad. But isn't it the best though, sitting in the position of not the person that has the tag, so it's not as much pressure on you. <clears throat> so like when you show up, you're excited but you're not feeling what Caden's feeling of you've got this tag burning a hole in your pocket and your time is ticking. Like it's, it's, you know, I, I agree to that, but I also disagree. And I think that that's one of the great things about these tags is, uh, you know, it's very rarely does a buddy in your friend group draw a tag like this. And, you know, in, in each of our individual lives, we hopefully all get to draw one or two or three kind of once in a lifetime or really limited entry type tags. And I think that as a hunter, knowing the scarcity of these types of opportunities, when a buddy has the tag, like you don't feel maybe quite the exact same pressure, but you still feel the same pressure because you want him to be successful. You know how much it means to him. I mean, it, it turns into a team type effort and you want your buddy to be successful. His success is your success. And so the whole group's feeling it, you know, the whole group wants to see the bull hit the ground. And uh, I remember showing up, you know, morning of day three and everyone was pretty anxious because the other thing in the back of their mind was they didn't know if the bull had moved. You know, when you went into it uh, night two, I remember there being some concern of, well, maybe we bumped him or we could have pushed him because in the thick stuff, if you don't see or hear him, you don't have any idea if he just laid there or if you accidentally pushed him out and nobody saw him and maybe he's two ridges over. Yeah, they you can no just idea. cover so much ground too that, you know, they could have a hot cow run away from him and they're gone. They're gone. And in the back of your mind, I remember you being a little bit nervous because those hunters opening day who had shown up, well, you hadn't seen them on day two, I don't think, but they're in the back of your mind. Cause you know, there's other guys out there with a gun. And what if that bull happens to come across? So there was pressure there. So morning of day three happens. Okay. So kind of set the stage. Yeah. So I believe it was the four of us, you, Todd, Colton, and I went on the one ridge and then we put Zach over on the other side because we were hoping that Zach would spot him on our side and then we could kind of spread out as needed and get get me on the bull. Um, so we go in in the dark, kind of hike, 
down off the ridge probably, I don't know what, two, 300 yards. Yeah, probably. And just started glassing as soon as the sun came up. And um, We had a real nice bull. I remember a real nice bull elk just down below us, yeah. just three or 400 yards below us. He was bugling and had a bunch of cows. That was kind of fun to watch. But Yeah, sweet bull. Sweet bull. Like a bull ended up getting 340, killed 350 by a buddy bull. the next yeah. year, which was he, he blew up the next year. But, yeah, so we had screaming elk that morning. It was I mean, awesome. It was just a – an amazing morning calm, as a hunter. Super calm, really pretty. Yep. But I believe, too, that we had seen a couple of, of bulls in the bottom. Yep, we did. Right at first light, but never did get, like, a great look at them. So we were... Moose. Bull moose. Yeah, not bull elk. moose. Yep. And we were trying to decide, like, do we do what we did yesterday and hike down off into there? Yep. Or do we want to make sure and get eyes on them and before we do this? And I was thinking, I don't, I don't remember if we glassed it up from our side or if Zach had seen him from his side. Well, Zach, remember Zach kind of came face to face with him. Yeah. So that, right. But I don't remember if it was right then or what. So we were, yeah. So the four of us were sitting across the ridge. Zach was on the opposite. And Zach is another buddy. Zach's a buddy. Yeah. Yeah, And he was on, again, on on that side opposite of us thinking that he could glass back because we thought the bull would be on our side. But Zach started radioing over, you know, he had actually kind of run face-to-face with the bull, basically. Yeah, he had had a cow run past him earlier. um, And, yeah, next thing we know, he's telling us he's 20 yards from this bull. And it's kind of licking its lips and kind of wobbling its head (laughs) back and forth slowly. (laughs) And, man, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it wasn't me. Well, because you can imagine, at least I've seen enough videos out of any animal big game to be hunting that will charge you is a moose. Like, it, it just seems like these moose, because just because, like, I don't know if they can't see fully and they can't tell, like, are you actually yeah. a predator to me or whatever? But I can just envision when you just see those big moose just kind of, like, tilt their head one side to the next, comes back. Oh, so yeah. I can only imagine what he's feeling. Yeah, it, I, like I said, I would not have wanted to be in that position. And it's funny, we have a bunch of footage of the moose literally two steps away from his spotting scope and tripod. He he had to <laughs> he bailed hit the tree Wait, next so to he it. starts running. I don't know that he well, ran. He, he just ran. He, but he didn't want to screw it up and, you know, bump it off the other side. And, you know, so he just kind of, I think, backed out. But, yeah, there's a bunch of fo- footage of... Of the moose right next to all his gear. It's pretty hilarious. Like I mean, he's he on, could have thrown a rock at it. He's he on was, the radio, and he's like, you guys, I'm staring in his eyes. Like, I'm looking straight at him. He's looking <laughs> right at me. And, like, you know, we're all excited because we – you like, he's like, it's the big bull. I promise it's the bull you're looking for. And we kind of thought he was crazy at first because we had seen those bulls down on the bottom. Like, no, he's down below. He's like, no, he's not. He's clear up eye level with us straight yeah. across the canyon on the other side. And – it was funny. I mean, he he did an awesome job. He he was. Uh, I mean, without him, that bull probably doesn't die that day. And then who knows? But he'd run face to face with it and kind of yeah. got nervous. And, and and I don't think I ever even saw the bull from when it, it all happened fast. And we're sitting there, and next thing I know, Colton is like, "Load up your stuff and let's go." He was throwing stuff so, in his pack. So as fast by as the he time could. I get my coat off and put it in my pack, get my spotter in my bag. I don't see Colton anywhere. (laughs) He's gone. He left Gabe. And that's one thing I learned probably in this, in that whole hunt experience is the urgency of killers. Like when it is time to kill, 
they flip a switch and it's just like it's go time. And so, I think this is proves specifically to Colton huge wise. The reason he's able to harvest big animals is because he has that mentality where too many people would be like, Oh, it's too far. It's a couple of ridges over. We're just going to wait. I've only got a couple hours of light, yeah. but those guys, there is a different breed, those killers that are just going to go. Yeah. So I get to the top and I mean, I'm, I'm huffing at this point and I feel like I'm going as fast as humanly possible. I get to the top He's 200 yards down the ridge ahead of me. And so I'm like, okay, I start speed walking. I'm walking as fast as I can. And when I get to Colton, he goes, okay, are you ready to hurry? <laughs> Is it, it's, it's out, we're going to start now. I'm literally like, what are you talking about? He's like, we need to run. I'm like, what? Like, he's like, no, I'm serious. Like, we are going to run out of here. Cause we had, you know, probably, I don't know, what is it? A mile, mile and a half on this ridge line to get back to the truck because we were going to need to hit the truck, drive down, you know, another mile or two to get to that ridge and then run out that ridge. And the, prob like, the problem we had is you guys had left us, so you left us on the same side glassing with the scopes. And the reason it was such an urgent situation was because that bull had come across the sagebrush opening and then had gone into the thick pines that was right on the edge of a ridge that would then wrap around to where none of us could see it. <clears throat> and if that bull got around that side... I mean, there's a chance he comes back over at some point, but if he got into that next canyon, it's just super thick and you so can't see and anything. Nasty. And so Colton, I think Colton's panic was like, we've got to kill him before he gets around this edge. And so, they, I mean, it was hilarious. Colton's like, let's go. And like Caden says, he's putting his stuff on and all of a sudden Colton's gone and Caden's yeah. looking around like, where'd my guide go? And So we literally, we ran. I mean, we jogged off of that mile, you know, with our packs, me carrying my gun get to the truck, throw the gun in the back. And we, I mean, I drove that road as fast as I could to get to that next. Did you have the Raptor at that time? Yeah. He was in a Ford Raptor, baby. Life's better with a Raptor. He <laughs> yeah. was smoking it. Yeah. So luckily um, nobody else was coming the other, other <laughs> direction, but we get out there and um, I don't know what's going on as far as where the bull is. I mean, I didn't, I don't think I realized how serious the situation was yet. Like I, I just thought we were going to kind of have to go out there and just see what happened. I thought the bull was gone. The last I had heard is that the bull had kind of went over the ridge. And so we get out there, you know, get all our stuff out, start, start walking out. And we decided we were going to have to bail off into those pines. Colton told me, he's like, be ready for a close shot. Like we are going to sneak in here. We're going to kill this bull. But if it happens, you're going to be close. So we start kind of creeping through the pines and next thing I know Colton had the radio. I, so I didn't even hear some of this, but next thing I know, he's like, get to the ridge. So we're probably, I don't know, only 20, 30 yards off, but it's steep. So we go climbing up to the top and get there. And there's the, there's the moose, right? You know, 150, 170 yards down from us, walking straight towards us. And so what had happened was, as they, as they started going into the trees, Colton had cow called a couple of times, right? Or grunted. He, he started grunting. He, he started grunting. Mm -hmm. And so what they couldn't see and what we could see, and the reason Colton said to get to the ridge was because from the opposite ridge where we were watching, when Colton started to grunt, that bull had actually come back out of the pines and started to wrap around this. That the same sagebrush little opening he'd walked through, he came out of the pines and came right back towards where he'd initially come from. And so Colton's grunting, I think, got him real interested and really, you know, curious because he 
it was that time of year. He like He didn't want anybody coming in to steal that cow he had with him. And so, yeah, I mean, he called him back to us. and On a dime, like on a oh, rope, he oh, came yeah. to you. So we get to the top, and I lay down. I mean, it's I've got my earplugs in, and I've got – and Brady's going to laugh at me because he's told me this from the second I bought it, but I have a, a tripod on my gun that – he says it's too tall. It's like 19 feet tall. You have to put a you have to stand up a ladder to climb up to shoot through the stupid so bipod. I go to lay down to shoot this moose and I cannot get low enough. I can't get my barrel to go down the hill far enough to see this. Because this moose is down below it's you. A little bit below up right now. And a little bit. I'm just like it's below I mean, him, yeah. You know, all hex breaking loose and I'm fumbling and And Colton's yelling, shoot the ball, shoot the ball. And I got him. my earplugs in and, <laughs> and, and I, I can hear Colton going, Shoot him, shoot him. And anyone can relate. When someone's there telling you to shoot, your anxiety goes through the roof. <laughs> you start going blind, like you yeah. can't see through the scope. It's just you just go dumb. You lose your mind. We were right above this little probably six foot ledge, and somehow I got my bipod to hook one leg over the edge and hit something solid, and I was able to lay down and he was frontal and I could just hear Colton saying shoot him put it right in his chest shoot him so I put it right in his chest at 150 and squoze one off and he hit the dirt I guess I mean he took a couple of steps forward stumbling but I mean he was dead before he hit the ground we're, we're phone scoping it from across the canyon and it's typical they're a long ways away so we actually see the bull hit the ground before we hear the shot so we've got the whole thing. We've got Caden and Colton on one side of the phone scope. We've got the bull on the other, and all of a sudden he just hits the ground and rolls once or twice. And then we hear the you know the, the rifle shot, and it was flipping. It was so awesome. And, and so it was you, so you exciting. pull the trigger. He finally hits the ground. How how are you feeling in this moment now? I just laid there on my gun, just like still looking through the scope. I can't believe it. I'm 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 expecting him to get up. Like <laughs> I'm away. like this is a big tough moose, right? Like. I'm just waiting for him to stand up and shoot him again. And I just, you know, sat there, laid there. And Colton, I finally, I turn and look at him and he's like already, he's walking back to the truck to get, <laughs> to, to go get some of our other stuff that we're going to need. And I'm like, do I need to stay here? He's like, that thing is dead. <laughs> <laughs> that is a dead moose. So, I mean, I, I felt amazing it was it was all those nerves and all that into anticipation and, and honestly just thankful um i never took it for granted that i was hunting a big bull at the age i was hunting him at i felt so lucky and privileged to be able to do that and it was it had happened with nine points with nine points. With oh, and, nine and, points. And I think the best part about it, too, is I remember, I don't know, if it must have been Brady sent me the picture after you had killed this moose, but you had, like, how many guys in that picture? There was, like, six? Mm, four or five of us. Four yeah. or five, yeah. somewhere like that. Five of us, I think. But everyone's face was about as big a smile as a person could ever have. And how cool of an experience to just have that group of friends to be able to share that with of course i wasn't there but me just seeing that picture i could only envision what was going on what was happening and the chaos that probably ensued that day well it helps when you have a once in a lifetime tag sprint feel the anxiety make a great shot kill a bull but then when you got to the bull was there any ground shrinkage no no, no. I, I mean in like i said i you don't know that much about moose and, but when you walk up on one, when you've killed a couple of bull elk or, you know, you see those and you're like, wow, that's a big body compared to a deer. And then you see a 
big shyress compared to an elk and it is just once again it's a whole nother animal and you just can't even believe how big they are but but probably it was the first time i'd ever walked up on an animal and i wouldn't say i got super emotional by any means i didn't cry or nothing like that but i had that just overwhelming of just like wow this thing is incredible i cannot believe that that just happened it went down i mean couldn't have drawn it up any better really it's you know a few days worth of struggle and and then it it happened and Caden's being you know he's being a little humble here too the bull he killed was if not the biggest one of the biggest bulls in the state of Utah that year uh what 50 inches wide yeah he was right at 50 50 inches wide when he ended up scoring like 160 something yeah roughly he he was like 168 and some change I don't I don't remember an all-time book is 155 Somewhere in that range. I mean, yeah, he's he's well over. He, all like time not even book. close. Like yeah. like didn't didn't just make book like blue by book, and it's it's one of those things. Like I say, once in a lifetime tag, awesome opportunity. But when the stars all align, and and if we're being frank with each other, like we're all trophy hunters. I mean, sure. the trophy hunter connotation is negative with a lot of people, but I think people misunderstand it. Like as a trophy hunter, when you have a tag, you want to kill the oldest, biggest animal that there is. And, you know, from a, from a protecting an animal, protecting a species, that's really what needs to happen. And that bull that Caden killed was the biggest, baddest bull on the mountain. I mean, there was no question. Yeah. I mean, he's, if you can think of a typical moose or what you would envision a perfect Shiras moose, and obviously I'm a little biased now that I have (laughs) him on my wall, but he's as pretty of moose as, as you can get. Just wide palms, long points, you know, he's triple front one side double the other like everything you need to and and I didn't even know anything about scoring a moose I don't even I mean the moose score system is a little strange to me anyways but it is just a perfect shyrus moose it's a perfect representation of what a, a moose should look a like a big moose yeah what a big moose I mean he's he's he says he has bias because it's his moose but it's not my moose and he's spot on it's a big moose and it was so fun to sit and watch that thing happen from the other side. And to our earlier conversation, you know, I think I was every bit as excited. We all were. We were all as, as excited when we saw that moose hit the ground for Caden as we would have been for ourselves. And, and, and Marcus, you and I have talked a lot about this in some of the other podcasts we've done. But I think that's the beauty of hunting. It's the beauty of, of being outdoors with others and with your friends and family is it creates memories. It gives you opportunities to come close together and to experience things that – you just would never think were possible and things that you'll never forget. You'll never forget that day. No, no, there's so, so many emotions and memories that, that come from it. And, and we're lucky enough, like you said, we have it on film and pictures and, and it's something I look at all the time. It's just something that I always reflect on. And, and that's just, and we still hunt the same area. So every time I'm in that Canyon, I'm like, I look over there and just, that's where, that's where it happened. Well, and, and now it's like in my mind, okay, so what's the next big hunt? Like, well, what, what, what can top that? What's the tag that you now try for? I mean, of course, there's tons of, of opportunities out there, but it's kind of like, okay, you kind of hit the, the peak of experiences in the hunting world. Yeah, you, you know, I'd love to kill a, a, a big giant elk someday or a 200-inch mule deer. I've killed some you know, a decent elk and a couple decent bucks, but, but yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know what the equivalent of, of that moose would be to, 
score wise on a mule deer or big. an elk, but it's big. If I if I never killed another animal again, I would feel pretty privileged to to have been able to do what I did on that moose. So it was I don't I don't know what tops it. But hopefully something does. Uh, the only hopefully. thing that I can think of, knowing Caden is a, like a brother, like I do, is uh, I, and having speak and speaking from personal experience, I don't think there's another trophy out there that will provide a high equal to or greater than what he was able to experience. But I do think what's going to happen is Caden's a great dad. He's got a young family. He's got uh, three boys, uh, two of which are old enough to love the outdoors. Like you want to talk about seeing guys light up. Uh, a couple of his boys, man, they get so excited to get out in the mountains and things. And Caden, I have a, I have the the expectation, or I kind of assume that one of your best days will be watching your boys find some success doing what you love too. Hundred percent. Yeah, my my oldest boy, he was old enough to hunt Idaho this year, and um, sadly we couldn't get him on anything. But even just being out there watching him, you know, get on the gun and just kind of getting ready and just a little bit of practice, it was. It's hundred percent going to be the highlight of of my hunting. We'll be watching uh, my kids, and actually, I I got to have a kind of a fun full circle moment with my boys, my older two boys, my brother and my grandpa this year, who my grandpa's the one who is the reason that we hunt. Um, my mom's an only child, so we actually get our hunting genetics through her, but I had never seen my grandpa kill an animal in the, you know, I'm 34 years old. I've never seen or heard about him killing one. I've, I've seen all the mounts in his basement and things, so I, I know he was a killer, but it was always, it was about us as kids and, and through our teenage years. But we, um, my brother's been putting him in and, and got him a CWMU tag this year. He's 82, I believe, maybe yeah. 83, 82. Uh, but we went out and we just kind of wanted to, as a thank you for, for giving us the hunt opportunities that we had as a kid, him an opportunity to to kind of, do a I don't know a last hunt you could call it or, or whatever but we went out with him one evening and and smashed a nice little four point and you know it was my kids and me and my brother and him there and it was just pretty amazing to have you know generations of a, of a family together and watch my grandpa who's my hero kill a deer it was it was awesome and it's one of those that say okay 40 years down the road which hunt are you going to remember the moose hunt or that hunt with your grandpa like ultimately it's crazy to think that that may stick in your mind more just because of how many of those family members you got to spend that with yeah yeah for sure it was it was awesome that's what it's all about that's uh that's why we do it that's why we love to be outdoors is those experiences and those memories and and uh you know getting to do things and see things and and live in a world that we're blessed to be a part of that god created for us to go and see what's out there and to to do all of that. So Caden, we appreciate you coming on with us today. You're uh, he's a killer. He's a, he's a hunter. He's a fanatic. He loves being outdoors. Um, this is our hope for the podcast is that we can bring, you know, guys like Caden, gals like Caden who love to be outdoors and have had some cool experiences. Come share your experiences with us. If you've had something awesome happen this fall that you'd like to share, get with us on social media or our Instagram page or the website. Uh, we'll have you submit just a brief um, explanation of what happened, and then we'll get with you and uh, record a podcast to hear what happened and share that with the, the rest of the killer community. So we appreciate your time today and look forward to the next one. Thanks again, Caden. Thanks for having me.